What is up, Charleston basketball fans? Welcome back to the Holy City Hoops podcast. Tommy here. We have another very special episode today. In case you've lost track of time, the NBA draft is on Wednesday, and Grant Riller is going to find himself a new team by the time the night is through. Uh, It's very exciting for him, very exciting for us fans and for the program. If he hears his name called, that would be back-to-back seasons where a CFC player is drafted. We talked about that with Jarrell Brantley a few episodes ago. Never happened before. It's rare for any school, but especially a mid-major program. Uh, Just tells you where CFC is on the national radar. So to get you ready, we are doing a deep dive on Grant and the draft. What scouts like about him as a prospect how his combine numbers stack up, the teams he could be a fit for, all that fun stuff. My guest this week is Brian Kalbrowski. He is a writer for Hoops Hype and USA Today Sports, and he does a lot of work around the NBA drafts. And what we appreciate about him is he's not one of those draft guys who just checks YouTube the week before, maybe only is familiar with the first round guys, the top 10 guys. He really does his homework on the top 100 prospects, especially the mid-major guys. Last year, he was one of the only writers following Jarrell Brantley during the pre-draft process. This year, he was one of the first to interview Grant. He's interviewed Nathan Knight, and he's turned into a bit of a newsbreaker as well, sharing some combine performances, which teams are speaking with which prospects, stuff that's been hard to find in a strange pre-draft this year. We're going to spend the majority of our time talking about Riller. As you'll hear, Brian is really high on him, thinks he has a chance to maybe even go in the late first round. Then we chat a little bit about Knight, who is not getting the same level of buzz, but as we're all aware, he has the talent to be a professional as well. Make sure you tune into the NBA Draft Wednesday night on ESPN. Then next week, we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. We've got a game. Charleston at UNC is one week after the draft, and we'll have a new podcast up next Monday to preview the season. HolyCityHoops.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Twitter, Instagram, follow, subscribe. Here's Brian. All right, Cougar fans, we are now joined by Brian Kalbrowski. He is a writer for Hoops Hype. He's also the NBA editor for the blogs over at USA Today. Uh, Brian, what's up, man? Thanks for joining. Hey, uh, appreciate you having me on. Definitely, uh, definitely excited to chat about, you know, some of these players with you. Um, you know, I think that uh, they're they're underrated, right? Uh, underrated uh, players and, and, and an underrated conference, but a competitive conference. So, I'm looking forward to to chop it up with you a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate it because I know you're a busy man. You do a lot of NBA draft coverage. So, I mean, what's it like these days leading up to the draft? Is it just crazy? You know what? I was really, really excited uh, for just a a summer. Not a summer, I guess. Now it's winter. But once the draft ended, just to like kind of not be in grind mode too crazy. And now the news that free agency and the trades are going to open back up like two days after it's, it's like very daunting. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a really chaotic and fun time of the year. I think that uh, it would be, it would be foolish to complain. Um, Cause it's certainly, certainly nothing that I'm sad about, but uh, at the same time, it's, it's very, very busy. Um, you know, it's been, it's been really for obvious reasons, incredibly unusual. Yeah. You know, this, this year and, it actually has given me an opportunity to probably talk to more players than usual, just because, you know, for the most part, they they just sort of have been more around. Um, they have less of a like, a, hey, we're too busy um, excuse when everyone knows that we're all in quarantine, just working out and quarantining. Yeah. Well, we were uh, we were just chatting before I started recording. You 
might not know this, but you endeared yourself to College of Charleston fans last year when you interviewed Jarrell Brantley and kind of had the scoop on him and his workouts, um, what teams were saying about him, and very few NBA draft experts even had him on their radar, and then he goes and gets picked 50th Mm -hmm. by the Jazz, and I think a lot of experts were caught kind of with their pants down, not knowing anything about him, so we all appreciate you kind of giving him some love, and you put yourself in the College of Charleston inner circle, so... Next time, next time you're in town, maybe you'll, you'll get a beer from a CFC fan. I did not know that. Um, I did not know that at all. I mean, listen, I he, he he checked every box for me. Yeah, and it wasn't surprising. And I I learned a lot about you know the NBA draft process um, through covering Jarrell, just because I kind of realized that I can kind of carve out a niche if you if you learn about a player who's who's legitimately going to be very you can tell at least has a path to the nba regardless of whether or not he's a star it's like okay clearly there's something there like you can kind of be the one to break those stories and tell their stories and interview them you know you gotta you gotta find the right players you gotta bet on the right guys but you know i i did sort of bet on him a little bit last year and i was i was very happy with the results uh considering he did get drafted and you know i'm, I'm happy with where he's uh you know where he's made me look for for you guys now. I did. I didn't even know that. I'm, I'm certainly thrilled to hear it. And if I'm ever in the area, definitely would love to <laughs> love to yeah. go beer with somebody. Well, now now you're doubling down with all the Grant Riller stuff. I mean, you've been. Yeah. I think you're higher than the higher than the consensus, and you've been you've been leaking a lot of details about him. Yeah, that's true. I I've kind of become the Grant Riller speaker, the Grant Riller whisperer. <laughs> um, I have a a little system that compares where, where I have them on their big board or I have them on my big board compared to, you know, the consensus ranking. And then I kind of try to, you know, basically be like, who are the guys I'm betting on this year and make sure that I'm having them, you know, reflect appropriately higher than consensus. So he, he is one of the guys that, that shows up in terms of how much higher I am on consensus than the rest of them. Cause you know, I think, I think his path to the NBA is, is very obvious uh, to me. Um, I think that, Realistically, when you look at Grant Miller, you know, you see uh, a tailor-made score, um, you know, ready to contribute for, I think, I think he, he could play a role for a contender. And that's why I think you're probably going to start hearing his name in first round consideration for teams like, you know, the Lakers and the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, I think if he were a little bit more of a playmaker, he'd probably be in the conversation for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I think that he is going to prove himself to be a playmaker because I like his court vision. Um, but his, you know, he wasn't as much uh, at Charleston. But you know, he he ran the pick and roll efficiently enough that I think you'll see, you know, he he's going to have some playmaking opportunities at the next level. I mean, that's, he's going to be a one. I don't I don't think he's really mm-hmm. as much of a combo guard unless he kind of takes the full on Lou Williams approach. But um, I think with with Grant, you know, it, it, I'm happy to continue to sing his praises because. I think it, when you just look at the kind of things that you need to have success in the NBA, um, he, he's got a ball. I think he's got the best first step out of any prospect in this class. I think that you know he can attack the glass very well, and, and I like I like the productivity, man. I value body of work, um, and yeah. I think that he has that. Yeah, I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, we we all know this about Grant and Charleston fans. Are just hope that you know people aren't overlooking. Uh, you know, the school he came from or his age or anything like that. So what what do you think is holding him back in other people's eyes? Do you think it's like size, stature? Yeah, I mean, he's not a big guard um, by any stretch. I think that probably, you know, pushes his back a little bit. I, I did just yesterday, actually. So I'll, I'll pull this up. 
look at you know how he compares physically to every player, every combo guard ever um, at the combine. Hmm. Um, and I think that the results basically showed that you know he's he's a little little shorter than most, but He's got a good wingspan, a plus five wingspan, um, which is huge. I think, you know, having that plus five wingspan is going to go uh, a long way. You know, in order to play the combo guard, you need to have, you know, a little bit of those longer arms to guard the twos. I think that, um, you know, he proved that his his three-quarter sprint um, was absolutely elite. Kind of as a side, I don't, I don't want to get too into the nitty-gritty of this because it's kind of insider basketball on, on the details of it, but... The shuttle run scores got completely, completely messed up this year. Hmm. You know, they were accurate, uh, but the way they do the shuttle run historically is there's a light that's flashed on on the court and you have to run the direction of the light. So it's basically a test of reaction speed. This year, you knew which way the light was going to flash beforehand. So you had to run to the left and run to the right. So Grant would have had the fastest shuttle run ever. Um you know, by that standard, um, but so also would uh, at least three or four other prospects in this class. I think. Well, we're just going to say he's the fastest ever. I think. I think that's fine, and we, and we yeah. can just move on from there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, I mean, I think his, his vertical. You know, the average standing vert for a guard twenty nine point seven five. His was thirty two point five. Uh, the average max vert thirty five. His was thirty nine point five. So. I think he's a lot more athletic than he gets credit for. Oh yeah, he's certainly certainly fast. Certainly has the speed, end to end speed. I think you'll see that translate on on both sides of the court. I think that he's got you know pretty good burst. Um, so when it, when it comes down to you know the things that you know somebody should like about him um, and why you know why he's gonna get picked, you know what his advantages are. You know I think you know there's just in this class uh, there's so much more film you know, on a guy like him than someone like, you know, I don't want to say like James Wiseman because he's not in the same draft range as James Wiseman, but I'll personally say that I, I would probably have, I mean, I do have him higher on my draft board than um, Jaden McDaniels, who I, you know, I think you see Jaden McDaniels six foot nine. He's got some good on ball skills, but you know, he hasn't put it all together at all. And that's why I think teams like the Lakers, you know, and teams like the Raptors and teams, you know, picking that want to have a content, you know, want to, be contenders next year you know they can get a contributor mm-hmm. uh in grant railer and i think you know he's, he's got a smaller frame um i think that he he definitely measured a little bit shorter um than you would have liked to have seen uh when it came to his height without shoes but you know i think ultimately it's not concerning like it's not like he's um you know mark marcus howard even in this class who i think you know is comparably one of the most productive players, you know, another senior person to person. Like, yeah, you have another senior kind of two, two guys, but Marcus Howard's like five, nine. Yeah. Um, he was way Grant, at the bottom of, of those combine numbers. Exactly. So I, I do think that that makes a big difference. I mean, you know, I think if you look at guys with a similar build as Grant Riller uh, in the NBA, uh, six foot without shoes, one seventy eight, six, five wingspan. I'm looking at a model right now. Quinn Cook comes to mind. Tyus Jones comes to mind. Both those guys are kind of, uh, you know, in similar similar ranges. You know, and they've they've been able to carve out roles for themselves. So he's not he's not too small. You know, to step on a, on a on floor. I think that that would probably be the biggest concern. I mean, you know, and I think his advanced age uh, is probably why he's not a surefire first round pick. But I think if you look at you know the top hundred consensus prospects 
he's probably one of three seniors that I would consider to be most likely to either name called in the first round on draft night. I think I would probably include him, uh, Desmond Bain out of TCU, and mm-hmm. uh, Peyton Pritchard from my from my alma mater, University of Oregon. First, I want to talk about um, those combine numbers because he gets lumped in with a, a bunch of other guards, um, whether it's like Nico Mannion or it's Marcus Howard or it's Cassius Winston. I thought his numbers at the combine were, I'm talking more about like the leaping ability and speed. Uh, there's nothing he can do about his size, but I, I thought it, the numbers yeah. tested out pretty well. No, definitely. And, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I looked at every combine result for the last 20 years and found like a median basically to be like, okay, what's the, what's the typical like baseline, you know, to be an NBA player. And then I also looked at, you know, the lowest number recorded, you know, to see, you know, uh, what that looked like as well. Uh, for for you know point guards and combo guards and you know he's certainly you know got more body fat and certainly got more weight and certainly got for some he might be below the 50th percentile um, but he's certainly not in any cases you know closer to the zeroth percentile you know in any in any regard I think he's closer to you know closer to average for the most part I think you know most most uh, most combo guards most one or twos are between 180 and 190 he's 178 so he'll put on he'll put on a little bit of weight. Um, you know, he's got, he's got a better wing difference, you know, than most, most players his position, you know, he's typically around four, he's around five, um, you know, wingspan, his was, uh, 77, which is about exactly on par with what you have seen from point guard. So, you know, even to, even to not have like a, you know, a shorter wingspan than most guards, I think, you know, speaks well to his ability to guard other guards. Right. And I think, um, you know, obviously his, his, his speed, um, is going to be, a huge part of his game. Um, I think we, we knew that going in. Well, let's let's talk more about uh, his fit. And and you mentioned that a contending team maybe makes sense because you can pull him in right away. Uh, a team that's looking to win now, it doesn't matter that he's a little bit older than other prospects. So do you think that this delayed period in between the end of the season and the NBA draft has helped him because there is so much more footage on him for, for teams to parse through? Yeah, I think that a lot of teams are going to, at least the scouts that I've spoken with and the teams that I've spoken with, they're all sort of in the, man, I'm overthinking this phase. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I think the more that you think about Grant Riller, the, probably the less, you know, the less questions you come away with. You know, I think with with certain guys, you know, you're like, man, his turnover percentage really does make me question his basketball IQ, though, right? Like, he doesn't have those those problems. Like, he doesn't have those problems that you get to where you're like, yeah, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like, right. Right. Like, I think, I think the one thing that if you were just to like keep overthinking it, um, you would come back to with Grant specifically would probably be his, uh, his frame, but yeah, man, he's a, he's a guard. Like he's, that's what they do. And I think that you've seen, you know, tinier craftier guards have success in the NBA uh, time and time again. And I think that, um, you know, he, he probably doesn't have the same defensive ability as like a Fred Van Vliet, but I think offensively he's, he's, you know, comparably versatile. I think that he can play very, very well on the ball. And I think that, you know, he's a good enough shooter that'll probably have a decent amount of success um, off the ball at the next level as well. I think, you know, he, he's gonna, he's gonna drum up some interest. And I think because there's more time to um, get to know these guys, I think another thing that's coming up is, you know, guys that interview well, you know, you've got limited interviews in terms of in-person conversations this year, right? Yeah. And guys that did well over Zoom, you know, I think 
will stand out. And I, and I'm not saying that he's a hundredth percentile as like an interview. Cause that's a hard thing to do. And actually ironically hundredth percentile interview, I actually can say was Nathan Knight. Um, oh, but wow. that's a different conversation. Um, but Grant, um, you know, he's a, he's an adult, man. He's an adult in the room and, you know, he's a, he's a senior. And I think, you know, some of these, uh, underclassmen that, you know, uh, did early entry didn't necessarily, you know, shoot themselves in the foot, uh, during these, uh, conversations that they had with teams, but didn't necessarily do themselves any favors either. And I think that, you know, his maturity, um, definitely does play uh, a role, um, during all of that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as, as someone who's spoken with Grant. Uh, I, I can definitely believe that. You mentioned Fred Van Vliet, and I think that's who Grant mentioned uh, in your interview with him as, as a guy he compares himself to. But I'm having a lot of trouble finding a one-to-one player comparison for him. Uh, yeah, in, I, don't think NBA player. I don't think it's Fred. I don't, I don't think it's anybody either. I agree. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, we know about his finishing ability. But when you think of, like, the best finishers in the NBA, the first name I think of is Kyrie. And he's not Kyrie mm-hmm. as much as I'd like him to be. But uh, so, yeah, do you do you have a sense? I mean, could you pick traits from different players or uh, there's just not a not a comparison right now? I think it's so hard. I think it really is really is so hard. But, um, you know, I think one thing that constantly stands out to me about his game is just his his finishing. Right. And I think that when you look at the guards who are the best at finishing in the league, um, I think that. You know, the guys in this class um, that are like that are, are probably Grant Riller and Mason Jones uh, at Arkansas. Hmm. And I think that, you know, those are the guys that have the the, the James Harden and Luka Doncic type of um, skill set where obviously you can shoot well and you can also finish well, too. So I think uh, I think that, you know, he, he's not either of those guys. And I'm like, I don't want that, you know to say that that's what I think he is. Um, but I've, I've time, already titled the podcast, Brian compares Grant Wheeler to James Harden. So <laughs> I, I mean, there are elements, right. You know, like there, there are things that he does that are kind of James Harden. Like, I mean, his ability to attack the paint without dunking. Right. I think that that that's at least a comparison you can make. Uh, it's not, not one that I would necessarily make. He gets he draws a ton of fouls, man. Yeah. Um, six point six fouls drawn per forty minutes was top twenty five among all college basketball players last year. I can and believe that. I would imagine. Yeah, and I would imagine most of those guys were big men. So if you really dive down, it's probably you'd be probably have him be among guards. I would say probably top five. You know, probably yeah. him, Mason Jones, um, a few other guys like that who just are wildly attacking the basket. You know, I mean, yeah, if you're looking at guards who who ranked ahead of him, it's just Mason Jones and ironically, uh Marcus Howard. There's that but comparison think, again. <laughs> yeah. I think that those are the those are the only those are the only two guards in this draft class who were fouled more often per 40 minutes than than Grant Riller. But you know, I think the ability to to get in the paint, um, you know, I think, you know, he didn't he didn't have a lot of dunks though. Um so I think that you're pulling in a ton of layups, um, you know, at that point. And I think you have to have some finesse, you know, to do that. So, yeah. Um, and that's, that's certainly not a problem for him. I think he's got, he's got good touch. Um, he's got, he's got good burst. You know, I think he's got, he can beat people oh, yeah. you know, on the, on the dri- off the dribble for sure. Um, you know, I think if you, if you really look at his, his game in terms of the things that he, he stands out in, um, I think that they're the translatable skills. Um, because I think sometimes you look at like a big man, right. 
and the big man relied on his size uh, to, to do things in college because he was just straight up bigger than the dudes. Uh, I don't think that someone like Grant Riller is going to have those problems at the next level. You know, I think that he might be a little bit smaller, right? That's going to be, that's going to be closer to his issue. And I think we've not brought that up a few times now, but you know, I think with Grant, he, he was so efficient as a ball handler uh, and, and pick and roll. You know, he ranked 97th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler finisher. He had a really good jump shot, you know, shot 85th percentile off the catch. And and did well in the combine drills too. I think I think you had shared that, like how he did in the uh, endurance three-point yeah, shooting. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of those. Um, I think that that's better to show for guys who didn't necessarily perform well as shooters during the year. Like, hmm. You know, like uh, like a Zeke Naji out of Arizona, like he didn't really shoot all that much. So for for me to know that, like, okay, he can shoot. Like actually, Nathan Knight shot really well. So that, I think that was interesting um, because he didn't really shoot much during the uh, season. But you know, for someone like Grant, um, you know, he he shot 83rd percentile off the dribble and 85th percentile off the catch. That's you know, those are two things where it's like, okay, if you're if you're shooting well off the dribble and off the catch, you can create for yourself out of the pick and roll. You know, he, he scored very well in isolation as well. I think you combine all those things and you know, you've got yourself a, a nice little role player. All right. Well, before we move on from Grant, you mentioned the organizational fit, maybe a contender, any other characteristics or any specific teams you think he would uh, fit well in? I think that he's, you know, fairly, fairly amenable. You know, I think that he's, he's kind of a, a bit more of a chameleon than a lot more of the player. I think some players, you know, uh, would just, you know, do a lot better in a fast-paced offense, right? You know, it's like, okay, like, this guy clearly does well in transition, you know. Uh, Devon mm-hmm. Dotson out of Kansas, you know, probably needs to play in a fast-paced environment. Same with Kyra Lewis Jr. out of Alabama. Um, you know, those are guys who it would just kind of be foolish to put them in a system that plays a little bit slower. Uh, I think that he doesn't necessarily rely on his, um, on, like, you should play fast, but, you know, there are there are fast paced teams that I think will probably take a good interest in him uh, because of his speed. So uh, the Pelicans have long wanted to play the fastest brand of basketball. You know, surround Zion Williamson with shoot like you know pace and space. Um, so I think that uh, Grant has as both of those things. He can play fast and he's also a pretty good shooter. Um, I think that you know the Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, Brooklyn Nets are probably going to be similar style of offense next year. Um, you know, get up and down the court fast and, and shoot. I mean, Steve Nash said that directly. And I think with Mike D'Antoni, um, you know, at the helm, you're, you're not surprised to hear it. So I think he would probably do well in that kind of environment. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sacramento, they play, they play pretty fast over there with Darren Fox. I think he can kind of keep up with Darren off the ball as a two and kind of keep that pace going up when he's, when he's on the court as a one, you know, as a backup, as a floor general backup, you know, and I think, uh, I think those are probably the teams that come to mind. I mean, I think, you know, I, th- I think he could still su- have success um, if they're not necessarily the fastest paced team. Milwaukee, though, is another one that, you know, they want to surround Giannis with dudes who can play fast and who can shoot. Um, and those are, those are probably his two most elite uh, categories besides his, his pick and roll uh, creativity. Nice. Well, I, I know Charleston fans we got to see Devonte Kaycock from UNCW win a championship with the Lakers this year. And we are hoping Grant lands in a similar situation, but organizational fit is so important. Like we're learning this with Jarrell Brantley. He got dropped in with a team, the Utah jazz that are so good at 
developing guys. Um, and you're kind of seeing it pay off with how they use their two-way system and their G League team. And uh, we're just hoping Grant lands with a team that can uh, can best best utilize him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do fear for the future of the two-way uh, hmm. with next year. Not not forever, yeah. but you know, yeah, yeah. with what's going on next season, uh, it sounds like they're probably not going to have that be you know a huge part of it because we don't even know if there's going to be a G League season. So, um, you know, that's a little. A little tough for a guy like Grant, but I think that realistically, it's probably less bad for Grant than it is for everybody else because Grant is probably at you know twenty three, like probably needs a less time in the in the G League than you know someone who's a little bit younger who does need more development time. Well, there's another prospect coming out of the CAA, Nathan Knight. You we've already teased him a little bit, but you just did an interview with him. Sounds like you've done some scouting on him. He seems like a guy who has a very particular skill set. He's big, he rebounds, he defends, and he can shoot. And you mentioned right off the bat, um, personality-wise and, and intelligence-wise, he's he's off the charts. Uh, what, what's your overall assessment tonight? Yeah, I'll just I'll just say like straight up. If I were a general manager, if I were a front office, I would make sure that guy ended up on my team. I don't know if I'd have to use a draft pick on him. Um, Right. To be honest, like I, if if I if I was doing my research and I started, you know, years to the ground hearing that some team at fifty five really likes them, like maybe I'd consider giving up an asset or buying a pick in that in that regard to get them. But I, that's somebody I'm gonna want on my organization. He's somebody I want on my team. I mean, God, just his his contribution to a locker room, and I don't mean necessarily as like a locker room leader, but he he's just somebody you want to build around. He's just a good culture guy. He's somebody who I think, you know, for the next 15, 20 years, you're going to be, you're going to be happy. He's around um, one, one team who I think, you know, might have a pick in his range that I spoke with actually. And I don't know if this is an insult or not um, said that they, they project that Nathan will have a better, better post playing career, or at least as good of a post playing career as, as he does in the NBA. Um, yeah, he's going to become like an engineer or something. <laughs> he, that's possible. I could also fully see him working as a coach, though, um, like very well as a coach. I think he's got the right mm-hmm. the right approach, the right kindness and tenderness with the right tenacity. You know, he's got he's got some grit to him, um, but he's I think he is he's a good soul. Um, tremendous speaker. Um, he's got a obviously studied it. He's got a huge mind for analytics. I think that he would really understand the advanced levels of the game. He, you know, he ran, he made up his own analytics program to evaluate his teammates and, you know, the history of, of William right. Knight basketball. That's not something you hear about very often. And, you know, that's the kind of guy who I'm like, I don't know what necessarily your role is for me next year or even during your first contract. Um, Cause of whatever reason, but yeah, what's, I mean, what's holding him back on the court? Uh, Cause it seems like, He's a, a modern big, but I'm I'm biased. Yeah, I mean his his uh, athleticism is not great. He tested hmm. out yeah. kind of poorly. I mean, standing vert of twenty three would have been the worst. Yeah, would have been the worst of the combine or second worst of the combine this year uh, ahead of Caleb Wesson. You know, his, his max vert was quite a bit better at thirty one point five, but still nothing phenomenal. I don't know. I mean, not tremendously big hands, not tremendously fast. 
height, body fat, weight, everything's about on average. Otherwise, um, you know, not, none of it, none of it is, um, besides his, his, uh, standing vert, none of it's alarmingly bad either. I, uh, I think that realistically he, you know, as a lefty and, and as somebody who just was such an, an amazing defensive rebounder, um, I think he yeah. could, he, I think he's somebody who could dominate in the G league for a couple of years and, you know, probably earn his way into a rotation, probably, you know, kind of like actually a Devonte Kekot type of role. Yeah. But, you know, I think the difference is, you know, Nathan is just such a, such an exceptional human being. There's just so much uh, to love about his, his brain. I, I love listening to him speak. I, I, um, I, he was the longest I've interviewed 40 prospects. He was the longest I had stayed on the phone with somebody. Um, so I didn't really, I kept wanting to hear him. He had great answers for everything. Uh, and it's not, you know, I love Jared Dudley, but it's not like a Jared Dudley type thing where he's just talking to talk. Like he, his answers were very calculated. He wasn't bullshitting you. And I think that he, he made it very clear, you know, who he is. You know, I want, I want someone to like me for who, for what I am, who I am. And I think that in that sense, he's gonna, he's gonna impress somebody. He's gonna, he's gonna definitely, um, make himself um, a desirable prospect for, for a front office. Um, if not right away, then I think at some point soon. Well, now all this gushing about Nathan Knight is making the William and Mary fans happy. And that upsets me. So we should, we should move on. Okay. Noted. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, well, yeah, man. I mean, we're excited for the NBA draft on Wednesday. Uh, if Grant does get selected, it's going to be back-to-back seasons where a college of Charleston player has, has been drafted, uh, joining Jarrell Brantley. Um, and then if you have Knight drafted as well, that would be two CAA guys in back-to-back years. Um, Justin Wright Foreman also got picked by the Jazz last season. And I think both these guys have a, a place in the NBA. It's just going to depend on on fit and you know how things shake out over the next couple of days. But Brian, man, I appreciate you doing deep dives on both these guys. They they deserve attention from, from scouts and from media. And uh, it was fun, you know, shooting the crap with you today yeah my pleasure and you know realistically um i'm especially excited to do it for these two for these two particular players because grant is somebody whose game i really really believe in and um want to make sure he's getting the, the right positive publicity you know momentum headed into this and and nathan is just somebody who i'll be rooting for 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 decades man i mean he's somebody who i could see myself um continuing to to inquire about you know, long after his playing career and just in terms of like, what, what is he up to now? That's awesome. That's, that's high praise. Well, man, I know you are busy, uh, this close to the draft. I appreciate you taking the time out today. Uh, where can people find your work? Yeah. Hoopsite, hoopsite.com, um, would be probably the best place to look. Uh, if you, if you, you know, you're seeing my name on this podcast, just copy and paste that. I'm the only one of my name ever. So you'll <laughs> see my Twitter and all my bylines there as well. All right, man. Thanks, Brian. We appreciate it. Thank you.